0: neither one of us knew spanish just whenever deacon mike mems said about the mission i felt it in my heart that that's what i needed to do and he said you don't need any skills we'll find a place for you and there's always a place
1: Hello and welcome back to Beyond the Bulletin, the official podcast of St. Anthony of Padua. My name is Nate Hoffman. I am the Communications and Development Coordinator here at St. Anthony's. And today I am joined by two of the leaders of the Honduras mission trip, Leon and Michelle Rieger. Hello. Welcome to the podcast. Good Good to have you both on. Um, So today we're going to talk all about the Honduras mission trip. We're going to find out how long it's been going on, what the heck y'all do down there. Um, but first, tell me about yourselves. How long have you guys been parishioners at St. Anthony's?
0: We've been here since the beginning of St. Anthony's. St. Oak Ridge.
1: Cradle St. Anthony's parishioners. That's I, I love to, to meet you guys, They're the the fabled 500 or however many it was. Um, so you guys made the made the jump straight over from whenever we split off from St. Simon and Jude? Correct. Correct. Right. Very good. Okay. So you've been around. You've seen this place grow.
0: Definitely. It's grown just a little. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. You've been here since the beginning, but the Honduras mission trip has not been here since the beginning. What do you know about the origins of, of that mission trip?
0: It began when uh, Deacon Mike Mems was going with the Franciscan school. And uh, he would go with them and he asked them what the needs were up in the villages where we visit. And he discovered that they really, really wanted some medical help. And so Deacon Mike Mims, being the person he was, never saw no as an answer. He came back to our parish and organized a mission to go in 2014. Uh, there were about 50 of us from here in, Houston, in the woodlands that went. And then we were joined by five or six dentists and doctors there in Honduras. And we went on our first mission trip in October of 2014.
2: And then from there, kind of the, it goes, uh, as most people know, the been with the parish, Deacon Mike Minn, tr- passed away tragically. Mm-hmm. Um, the following spring, and what's kind of emotional to us always about it, is the day before he passed away, he sent an email to lock in the dates for September of 2015. And, oh, wow. the, and then it's the next day he passes away. And so he, him, and his wife were the leaders behind this, and so all of a sudden one was gone, and so others were in mourning. And so it was kind of, what do we do now? Because uh, the guy, the inspiration behind this, who organized it, and he took his private plane down there to take supplies down there, he's gone. And so it was trying times for us, um, because what do we do? And we didn't know how really it was organized in that. And I always say that was we were in the upper room in this building here. And uh, we were debating, do we continue on or not? And so some of us just said, well, we have to do something. We knew it would be smaller, but we have to do something just to carry on the legacy of Deacon Mike Mims. And so we then did the second mission in 2015. It was smaller, mm-hmm. but we continued. And that was the key is to continue it. And then, wow, then it just ballooned after that and grew tremendously after 2015 so it's been very exciting and rewarding for a lot of us and we picked up more people as the years went on so but Michelle and I've been a part of that since the original mission uh, we were lost the first year um, we we call people rookies the first year because you, you, you don't know what to expect you right. can talk about it until you live it you really don't know
1: I want to talk about all of those experiences on the on the mission trip itself because you so you guys have been now for what six times seven times now? On the on the trip itself.
0: On the actual trip, we've gone seven times, but then we've gone on special scouting trips, water mission trips, so we've probably gone close to ten times. 10, Eleven times,
2: probably. Incredible. Just to
1: rewind though, Deacon Mims, Deacon Mike Mims right. is the very same Deacon Baldy's that many of us have gone to that bar. I don't know. Sometimes new folks to the parish don't make the connection, but Deacon Mems and Deacon Baldy are the same guy. The The bar was named after him. His family runs it. And he was the one involved in not just Honduras, but so many of the other oh, so many. organizations and, and missions that are still going on at St. Anthony's. Deacon Mims was involved with starting them uh and you mentioned that personality never take no for an answer he, there was always a way through every problem and i i did not realize that he was only involved in one yes he was only for there one. for the first one and 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 then it was placed in the rest of your hands. So wow, it's incredible that uh, you guys had the tenacity to to keep going. So you said that there's been a lot of growth through the years. How many people go on this trip?
0: Our last trip, I believe we had 75 people from the U.S. that went. There were about 10 more Hondurans that joined us on the trip. So
2: we've had to actually cap it because we're our facilities for sleeping, we call it a rundown Hotel 6, which mm-hmm. was what Deacon Mike Mims described it, because he was, everyone was asking him what it was, and he finally said, well, just imagine a rundown Motel 6. And we got it, and that's basically what it is, a very rundown Motel 6. But we're kind of capped out in that from that perspective, is how many people we can accommodate. We've not been, had to tell anyone no so far, but we just kind of have to balance that a little bit, so... And if it got bigger, we'd consider, you know, doing other Finding options. Finding different hotel yeah. or something like right. that.
0: So we have, there's, you know, 75, 85 people who go, and we stay in the hotels close to each other. But during the day, we're divided into three different villages. So you're really with 25 to 30 people that you're actually with from our church during the day.
2: You develop a special bond with that 25 to 30 during the day. And then you all come together at night and reflect on what happened during the day.
1: So describe that for me. I mean, we go to Honduras as a team. We arrive, we're in this hotel, and then you split off, you said. So are there, there are multiple locations. What, what, what exactly are we mm-hmm. doing in, in Honduras uh, on, on the daily during these trips?
0: So a typical day once we've arrived in Trujillo is um, wake up bright and early in the morning, about five, we have prayer on the beach. And have breakfast in the prayer we... on
1: the beach is that some kind of drink that you guys are? <laughs> no no, no drink. Oh, no okay.
0: drink. We do the official prayers in the morning and uh, have a good breakfast, hearty breakfast, pack up our sack lunch of beef jerky and <laughs> chips and cookies for our lunch. and then we load onto the trucks. We'll have about, nine people per truck. You'll put four or five inside and about four on the back. And uh, we divide up and we go up into the villages. There's three villages. There's La Colonia, El Mirador, and La Esprincita. To get to La Colonia takes about 30 minutes on the truck. To get to El Mirador, which is a little farther up the mountain, is about 45 minutes. And then Esprincita is a little bit farther down the beach and then up into the mountain, and that one's probably about forty minutes
1: okay,
2: and so when we say drive, we' just kind of along the you know coastline for about three miles, and then you go up the mountains and up is four wheel drive only right um you cannot go up in a normal vehicle by any means, and it's a tough drive even at that
1: right this the highways I can't imagine are very well maintained.
2: They're if more they're of a horse highways. trail. Right. Yeah, think of a trail that you kind of tried that to widen a little to... bit to have a car go through. Right.
0: <laughs> so there's small pickup trucks. You can't fit a big pickup yeah, truck on okay. this road.
2: All right. Wow.
1: I mean, the the picture I can I can sort of start to see it. What what do you do when you get to the, the villages?
0: Once we get to the villages, then um, you're divided up into teams. So you have your medical team, your dental team your logistics team, and then a catechetical team. And so the medical and dental are setting up in the schools so that they have a clinic running there. Uh, then catechetical is we have a run a little vacation Bible school for the kids, and we set that up in the chapels usually. And then logistics, which my husband has yeah, been a part of. We do of. whatever
2: needs to be done, repairing the chapels, repairing the schools, We even put in a culvert so they could actually get from one little village to another on their motorcycles when it rained because they were cut off from each other when it rained. So we put in a little culvert. What's a culvert? Oh, a culvert uh, It's just think of a big pipe that's 12 to 18 inches wide in diameter and allows the water to go through that pipe instead of over the the trail. Over the
1: trail. Okay. Right. Wow.
2: And so we just do whatever they need. Whatever it takes. And they, they normally... Point out some things that they need um, and so we do do the scouting trips in advance that help us and we communicate with them and so we kind of combine with you know the skills they can provide and the skills we can have so for example um, Deacon Mike Mark is very handy and very good at electrical and so um, we would coordinate getting electrical supplies and him another missionary or two would put in the wiring in a proper way because their way of doing things can be kind of Dangerous at times, A Hazard, maybe. yes, mm-hmm. and so we kind of scout that out and figure out what they need. So that's why the scouting trips are important, decide what their needs are, and then while we're there on mission, we have more people then, so the logistics team can actually uh, do that along with um, the villagers there, combining forces with
0: them. Okay. The wiring is needing to be done, because whenever we first uh, went on mission in 2014, there was no electricity in any of the villages. It wasn't until 2015, 2016, that they actually got electricity in the villages. And just because they have electricity in the villages doesn't mean that the homes have electricity. The electricity normally goes to the church and to the school, and that's the only ones that really have electricity. So that's
2: where we're putting the wiring is for the church and the schools. So for example, it's very hot there Mm-hmm. And so having fans is very beneficial to both us as the missionaries, and to the locals when they're at mass or going to school. And so electricity was a big deal because there's no, there's still no running water, and that's another project we've done is help them from a water perspective because, wow. um, you know, you say the old joke you don't don't drink the water. You do not drink the water there, mm-hmm. and we're very cautious about that. But we've helped them, and Michelle's been on. A water mission to um, to train um, the the moms.
0: We discovered a group called Water with Blessings, and they um, it's run by a nun, and she was uh, developed a system of how to choose women from the village. Um, we trained them how to use these water filters. And then part of being chosen to be a water woman is that you provide clean water for yourself and four of your neighbors. And so besides uh, giving clean water for yourself, you're also building community and giving responsibility for the women in the village. Because the women in the village do not have much power but giving this has given them confidence and a little more ability to provide for their families.
2: And the the women selected to do this or their names are put in a hat and if I remember right there was
0: it's a Holy Spirit draw Holy
2: Spirit draw for who's gonna get the water filter and then they're responsible for filtering the water and then sharing with few of their neighbors. So it's very um, faith-based process just for the water.
1: that, And that's done by the villagers or it's done by y'all when you go?
0: It's, it's done by us and we brought along a few of the people that are with Water With Blessings and they helped us do the training because they don't want to train more than 15 women at a time. So we went to each village and trained 15 women.
1: Wow. So... These villages, no water, no electricity when you guys arrived. Or they have water, obviously. Just but spring, just The, the water is is not necessarily clean. And, not clean.
2: Wow. Actually, that's an ongoing problem now of the three villages. Two are better, a little bit better, and the water filters help. The third one was developed a few years ago. They clear-cut um, part of the forest up above there. And now the cows and that defecate in the water. That runs through, so the water is even worse than it was before. And so we're trying to even improve beyond the water filters, so that the starting point is a little bit better. Because they still have um, intestinal issues, a lot of intestinal yep. issues, and it's much better now than when we got there. But it's still a continuing problem we're trying to work on. So, so there's no running water like we have. Right.
1: What's the economy in these villages? What are the men and women doing? Um daily?
2: The men are just going out in the fields and farmers. very basic farmers, um, plantains and just very Yucca. in corn and right very basic. I mean, and they have their machetes. They head out in the morning with their machetes and go out in the fields and work for the day. We do not see the men during the day really right. much They're at all. We don't see them at night.
1: Do they have their own farms or are they working for somebody? I'm, I'm sure. kind of
2: a mixture. It's very rudimentary. Think of going back 200 years in this country or something, you'd have a little plot, and a little plot for them maybe an acre or two, and they just work that acre or two, and uh, whatever they can get from that. Some do go down to one family we're close with. with he actually is getting more money now because we call him the watchy man. He's a guard. He, he, he goes for several days at a time, leaves the family, and he's just at a guard at him hotel or something like that. So it's just however they can get by. It's it's amazing how they get by. And it boggles our mind how little they can get by. But Remember, they have no bills per se either. There's no water bill. There's no electricity bill. They're just living in a very basic right. hut or yeah. something. Yeah,
0: wood and mud hut with a dirt floor.
1: Wow. Yeah, that's that's really not something like you see in this country. You, you mentioned a third world country, technically, yes. is that right? Yes. I mean, the whole, basically the entire place is in a similar situation.
2: Yeah, we've been told, I and mean, I kind of keep out a little bit, but Honduras is either the second or third poorest country in the Western Hemisphere. Normally Haiti's number one, it's debatable, El Salvador, maybe number two Then Honduras. And they say, the think of it as a county, they have different terminology, but the county we serve, or part of the county we serve, is one of the poorest counties within Honduras. So we're going to the very needy of Honduras, wow. and Honduras overall is very needy. Um, the median education is through the sixth grade, and that kind of leads into another one about our villages.
0: When, when we first began going to Honduras um, in the villages, the school stopped at grade six. So that was, if they went to sixth grade and completed that, that was a huge accomplishment but most of them didn't even make it that far. And since we've been going, we uh, worked with the government to be able to add 7th, 8th, and ninth grades in the villages, and the students are are going through that. And once they've graduated from ninth grade, we've helped them uh, give scholarships for them to go on to 10th, 11th, and 12th grade at a school called EVS. Um, it's outside of San Pedro Sula. It's a Catholic based uh, high school where they have vocations and uh, graduation from high school and the ability to go on to college. This last year they had the first two students that graduated, and um, they're going on to college now. So it's wow.
2: yeah, this school is amazing. We were blessed. A few of us got to go there last September, and the, you know they start with morning prayer. And they give, had morning reading, and they give thanks to God for what, you know, what they do have, which, you know, it, but they they feel very thankful because they are blessed because they are getting to move forward in their education where many others of their peers are not getting to do that. So it's amazing school.
0: So, well, one of the things to point out is um, they're coming from these villages where their beds were hammocks or, you know and drink the water and now all of a sudden they're in this school they're in a dormitory they have a bed now for Mm -hmm. the first time they have a indoor plumbing they have showers these are all things that are all brand new to them and so it does it is quite an adjustment for the kids uh, but the ones who are able to make the adjustment have been very happy and
1: are they quite grateful for the change the opportunity it's oh,
0: amazing. Yes. One of the big things is, believe it or not, where the school is is at about five thousand feet, and so they find it very cold.
2: Oh, really? They're freezing, and yes. they're they're asking for us to provide coats, coats and stuff. Yes. Coats. What what temperature is it at five thousand feet? In the winter, it does get down the mid fifties. Oh, okay. but remember, these are people not have never experienced fifties. Oh, right. They you know extremely cold for them is sixty eight. Yeah, you know, below seventy and so it's just their blood's very thin and they get very cold so it's kind of funny it's
1: tell me more about the folks you work with um you know, daily i do you find that is is honduras a catholic country is there a lot of faith in these communities or is there is it sort of a dis, like almost despairing uh nature of the community
0: whenever we first started going to these villages the the priest that's in charge of them he is in charge of say 52 parishes so he can't get to all 52 parishes every weekend and so the villages we go to before we were going on mission we were lucky if they were lucky if they got a priest up to their village once or twice a year so whenever we first went there were no people receiving communion. No one had received any of their sacraments. And since we've been going, we've helped the priest um, have the means to teach so, yeah. catechesis.
2: Yeah, it's very tough for the priest to get to the villages we serve. One of the toughest in the what he serves. And so the four-wheel drive truck, and that was Deacon Mike Mims, was behind that drive. That was the big gift to the priest was a four-wheel drive pick up mm-hmm. otherwise they just had to walk up mm. so they would drive to the base of the mountain they walk up for an hour or two depending on the village and then they have to walk down so this gave them the means to actually get there and so we encouraged then the priest to and nuns to be in our villages at least once a month instead of once a year and so then they're training um, for the sacrament prep and for baptisms confirmations and even marriages the marriages have been crazy mm-hmm. maybe that's a a good story there because yeah. they don't legally or get married, maybe legally, and then don't get married in in the, in, in the church. And but when they do, it is a celebration. Really, that's beautiful. And, the, uh, the
0: churches are packed, and it's all outside it the church, trying yeah. to climb in the windows. Right. And they have a really they have do great job decorating their churches. Have with you been balloons. there for many marriages? We've seen I think twelve twelve weddings there. That's awesome. It's great, yeah.
2: People from the other villages come over, and so all of a sudden, you just all all these people walking Mm -hmm. because they all want to see this marriage, and they're walking from all these villages, and they kind of overwhelm the village, and it's just great to see. That's cool. And they have just great big they cooking. You know, they kill a
0: pig and right. And all that. So,
1: tell me more. What have what have uh, what other things have you guys learned from these communities through the years?
0: I think one of my favorite things that we've done is actually spending the night up in the villages. So the first year, uh, my husband and I stayed up in El Mirador, and it was just fantastic to see them and what they normally do. So, the kids we stayed in the church, and the kids came. And we taught them how to play tic tac toe, how to make paper, paper airplanes. it's a big hit. <laughs> uh, That's awesome. And so, just we couldn't speak Spanish, they couldn't speak English. So, but just by hand motions, and we we just—it's amazing how much you can convey with body language so you and guys don't smiles. Speak Spanish no, right now,
2: Michelle, a little.
0: A, not Me. much. Muy poco. Muy poco. <laughs> muy poco. <laughs> muy poco. Muy so. Muy muy poco. Yeah.
1: <laughs> and is that, that's not a problem. You can still communicate. But
2: we have lots yeah. of
0: translators that come along.
2: Okay. We we do know some Spanish. Mm-hmm. And so if you really sit down one-on-one and both sides are kind of slow, I mm-hmm. enjoy that when I have that opportunity to do that. I like chatting with the, especially the teachers and kind of developing a relationship there. So you can communicate some is um, the teachers know a little English a little bit, so that helps a little bit. But the kids, they you can communicate with them. You can just play with them, right? And they just love it. So the interaction with the kids are wonderful.
0: And the other time I've spent the night is um, we called it Women's Night. And so uh, several of the women missionaries stayed up in the church, and we invited all the women from the villages to come spend the evening with us. And so with translators... Um, just discussing their lives and uh, their struggles and what our life was and introducing ourselves was amazing. And whenever what we discovered is the women of the village had never gotten together as a group, they had never ever done anything like that. So they were super excited. And the next year we went back, they had a group of the women who had formed their own little store within oh, the cool. village.
1: Great! Wow, so real change is, is happening. That's amazing.
0: So when you return from these trips,
1: you you go there, you spend a week, and you come back here to the Woodlands, Texas. So is that a shock? I mean, tell me about that experience. That that that's a huge dichotomy in terms of just resources and way of life. Uh, and is it? It's. I'm sure this is naive to say. I mean, we have a we have an easier life for sure. Would you say we have a better life? What can we learn from the from these folks in Honduras that have, uh, you know, on paper like this a much simpler life?
2: It goes back to what Deacon Mike Mem said the first year. We're not bringing God or Jesus to them. Mm-hmm. They already have it. We're just trying to enhance it, and and we're not trying to change their culture. We would just, we want to work with them on what they want to do, but. Um, we're not trying to make them Americans. We're not trying to make them Americans. We're just trying to make them um, have the means to improve their lives and improve their faith life. Because a lot of times the the sacraments were not there really, and so we have that ability to do that. And
1: there's a whole catechetical piece to the, the team, right? Are they doing right. lessons and things during the week that you're there? Right.
0: We, we run a little vacation Bible school and... The church will be packed with 100, 150 kids that come that are so excited to learn, and it's just like we take the program like what we do here at St. Anthony's with yeah. the songs, and but it's in Spanish, it. <laughs> and the kids have a blast learning the songs and uh, learning the dance steps, and they even, whenever we come back the following year, they're still singing those songs and doing the dances for us so they really enjoy it
2: it is a culture shock when you get there Mm -hmm. because it's just so different and so i think we've gotten accustomed to it so we just don't think too much but the first especially the first year or two just thinking that they don't have running water they don't have electricity it's just very different and then you come back here and it's like wow it's kind of a kind of a rat race here kind of feels like and just have a different perspective so it's Everyone who goes really feels like they're, um, they're closer to God and their faith because of that experience of being in Honduras and seeing what they have and what's really important in life.
0: It really shows you what's important. Um, to see the smile on a kid's face because you hand them a water bottle, it really makes you appreciate all the things you have here. I have to say the first year I went, I was in shock, and but I never felt as close to God as I did whenever I was there. But then whenever I came back here to the woodlands, it was a bit much, and that I didn't really want to go out because of all of the excess that there is. Yeah,
1: it seems like, is there a sense of guilt or something like that when you come right. back and mm-hmm. you, you have your running water and you have your... Beer in the fridge and 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 things like that. That's it, it, got to be a strange feeling where you
0: to go to the grocery store and have all of those choices. Yes. Where basically there you have your corn tortillas, a little bit of egg. Sometimes they'll kill a chicken and have for that. That's a feast. So their diet is very basic, and so when you come back here, it's. There's so much,
2: but that connection. We haven't been able to go as much, but they know that, um, you know, we're praying for them and vice versa. And so that's what has continued, even though we haven't been able to go on the big mission. We've had small groups that go, um, but we continue it that way. And then the financial support has continued to help them too. But but being there in person is critical. And yeah,
0: so my husband and I are very lucky that um, we have two families there that have asked us to be godparents to their children. And so we're very blessed to have that, and we have that connection. But whenever we talk to them and ask them why they chose us, they said it was because being able to see a couple together and happy and just working together and believing in God and showing their love for everyone around that that was why they chose us. So it's not being able to go there. It's whenever we go, it's uh, leading by example of how God wants you to live and showing it to the people. Right. And they they get that.
2: Yeah, we were shocked when we were asked, but Deacon Mike Mark was very adamant that you know couples are an example for them. Yeah. Because they don't see that as much. They do have some wonderful families there, and I know. The one family we support, or um, the godparents for one of their children, just they don't have anything. Mm-hmm. But just a wonderful family, and just we really enjoy our time being with them, and the, what they value and how they're raising their kids is just incredible.
1: Everything they have is for each other and there, there's a right. dependency there. Well, let's talk about this year's trip or the next trip that's going to happen. So y- y'all have not been as a major mission trip to Honduras since 2019, I understand. Correct. And there was something that happened in 2020. We don't need to talk about it on the podcast, but the, the COVID, we couldn't go for a couple of years, right? So 2020 was canceled, 2021, and now it's 2022. What what's going? What's happening with the mission trip this year?
2: So um, we are have been working with the archdiocese on that, and we've done private little scouting trips mm-hmm. in that. Um, and but the archdiocese had a concern about a big group going to Honduras, and so we've been working closely with them. Um, this last week, we did receive some positive news about that, Great. and so the risk manager for the archdiocese wants to talk with our core team about what he's you know what they would request for us. So we're optimistic we can get approval Great. here soon. We had hoped to go for a big mission in June. It's just not enough time because we don't have approval yet. But we uh, were hoped to have a small, smaller one. It's still kind of limited time for September and then the big group for 2023. Okay. So that's our current plans. And we will have a scouting trip in June. So we do have small expeditions, so to speak, scouting trips. Uh, Can parishioners
1: sign up to see more information about going on that trip in 2023?
2: 2023. You can go online. Um, there's a link to our Honduras website that has the background about the Honduras and what you need to do to go. We need all types of skills. Um, you do not have to speak Spanish. I don't Spanish. speak Spanish. I don't do electrical wiring. Um, uh, not a dentist. Not a doctor. You're you're talking about me. <laughs> I've gone every <laughs> okay. year. Um, Michelle also. Um, we didn't. Neither one of us. Neither
0: one of us knew Spanish. Just whenever Deacon Mike Mims said about the mission. I felt it in my heart that that's what I needed to do. And he said, you don't need any skills. We'll find a place for you. And there's always a place.
1: Well, if, if you don't need any skills, that sounds like right up my alley. <laughs> I think so, you've uh, just signed up. <laughs> <laughs> Beautiful. Well, how else can we support that mission? Besides, I know that you're, you're asking everyone to pray, pray, pray that, that this mission can happen this year. Um, you know, it's in the hands of the Archdiocese right now. Uh, what other ways can we support uh, the Honduras mission?
2: Yeah, I would say, you know, prayers number one. Um, number two, we do have the Taco Sunday and Second Collection this Sunday. Taco
1: Sunday, so, <laughs> Second Collection. Taco this Sunday. Sunday. So that'll be Sunday, May first. Hopefully, you hear this right when this podcast comes out. If not, that uh, fund is still going to be available online. We can put a link in the in the show notes. But I, I'm excited for this Taco Sunday.
2: Yeah, we yeah. will tacos, and then there's clay items also. Cool. So, but the tacos are always a big hit. Yeah. So. Uh,
0: and we'll Come also early. be uh, selling coffee. The coffee is mm-hmm. actually from the school where the high school students go in San Pedro Sula. They grow the coffee plants and pick the beans, and so well, that coffee will be for sale. I
2: think that's the best coffee there is in the world. So
1: you're not biased at all. <laughs> no, but no I, I, I can't wait to test it. Uh, I go against my H E B's Texas pecan, so that's that's my current number one. But maybe this is uh, even better. So. Very good. Okay, so this this coming Sunday, Sunday May first, um, that weekend is going to be the second collection, and then the taco, uh, shell Hall right after all of right. the masses on Sunday. The morning ones. All of the morning masses and the, in the Spanish, Spanish mass and the, and the one p.m., yeah. which yeah. is lumped in with the morning masses. Yes. Right. One p.m. on a Sunday still is morning, basically in my uh-huh. book. Anyway, I'm still getting <laughs> for Latin movie. America. Maybe did, so <laughs> so um, very good. Well. Leon, Michelle, thank you guys for coming on the podcast, sharing about the Honduras mission. Again, you can find out more uh, by finding that website. Um, It's going to be in the show notes here. Um, So just look below, click, and and you can find more information. And again, that second collection. Please be generous this weekend. Uh, Leon, Michelle, thanks for coming on. Thank you very much for for having us. See you.